seats. All right. So, you guys doing good? I love hearing, like, even the song that we did in the beginning, like, just that last one of, uh, well, the one before the last one, you know, the 100 billion times, where it's just talking about this place of worship and this place where we, we really, we come before God because he's wonderful. And we each have a different thing that's wonderful about God, right? Like, when we look at his beauty and his glory, some of us, I mean, I'm from the city, so, you know, like, I really love laying on a river for one day, looking up at the stars. But you got to remember, how many, how many days did I say? One day. Because <laughs> after that, it's not beautiful no more. There's bugs, it's wet, you know. <laughs> I'm cool. But then there's some people who, like, love the ocean. But the testimony of our God is in everything we look around and we see. And so as we look at each other, it's the same thing. Can you... Um, so we've been going over who we are, and it's about the DNA of what we believe. Because remember, we have it split into two. One is Life City, the other one is Welcome Home. What we believe and how we want to live out our lives. And we're almost all the way through Life City. And this is breaking down how we see God and how we see theology. I mean... But today we are, I'm not going to, I'll do the wrap up and you'll hear all of the other ones again, but I'm not going to quite go through them like I usually do. A big place where I want us to be really thinking is about 2 Timothy 3.16. It says that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. The Greek word that's used here for God breathed is the only time it's ever used. All the New Testament. And in that inspiration, we have to really see that it means, oh, I forgot. I have control. Let's see if it... Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't work yet. Oh, was that, was that you, Sandy? Oh. <laughs> but so we have to see that there is three lessons really even to break down as we go through everything. That was a great thought, but it doesn't work. Um, and as these, we look at these three lessons, the first one is that God gave the wisdom to the people in the scriptures. We see that through 2 Peter 3.15 through 16, which, by the way, I'm not going to go over these lessons by going through these scriptures. I'm actually going to go through something totally different. So if you guys are really trying to hold tight to everything I'm going to, you guys, uh, I'm not going to get lost in the grass. I'm going to try and just stay on topic. The, Holy, the second one is the Holy Spirit teaches these words. And we see that in 1 Corinthians 2.13, it says that, he teaches these holy words that it's actually words that he produces and he gives. But then the final rule that I'm going to go over is the Berean rule in Acts 17.11. But before I go into that, I want to go to the next slide. I want to give two examples, especially in a world like we're in right now, right? How many people like camping? 
So one of the things, I used to do some extreme camping where you just go out there with a backpack. And it, I mean, <laughs> it's, it's practicing hopelessness. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is that like, one of the big things they teach you is before you go out at nighttime, you set up a fire so that you at least have some sort of direction in the middle of the forest to drive you back. Because even if the illumination is bouncing off other trees, you still know what direction to go. Otherwise, you can get lost in the darkness. In that same place, the word, because today we're talking about being illuminated by God's word and revelation, God gives us a direction home when there's so much things that we can get lost in. And in that same place, we have to see that it's something that illuminates the things around us. And we might not always be able to make out exactly what it is, but we can for sure be driven back to a foundation that's, that is safe, that is warm, that is caring. But then the second example, we see a telescope up there, right? How useful is a telescope when you just look at it at the side? Like, if I were to have a telescope right here and I was, like, showing you the telescope, right, does it do anything for you? No, it doesn't do anything for you. What value does it have to you if I'm just showing you it from the side? Nothing. It's literally garbage. I mean, it's just metal. Sometimes it's plastic, you know? Because, I mean, it, if I was to cover the, the actual use of it, it is just something for you to look at. And you might know what it's for, but it doesn't mean anything to you because you don't get to experience it. How do you get to see, or how do you get to see the value of a telescope? You look through it. In the same way, the words of God and the scriptures, they are just laws, letters on a book when we just look at it. The truth is, is that it sets us up with a place that we can look, in, but we, we don't really get the value. But when we actually look through it to actually look at the world, we can see a world that's much farther away than we could ever understand that, that's right in front of us, right? So now that I'm done with all my, uh, my pictures, next slide. Y'all know what time it is. I'm only going to do one testimony today. I got a lot to say. I'm sure you guys want to hear me. See? <laughs> that was for all the people who were asleep. <laughs> all right. So who would like to give a testimony during this time? I'm okay, Alice, let's do it. Give it up for Alice. Get it, girl. I just want to praise the Lord. You know, I mean, you look back over your life and how the Lord has led, you know, through those hard times, through the big times, the little times, you know, the pleasures that uh, come our way. I just want to praise him today. Amen. All right. Okay, I'm going to call one person up. I'm going to call you up. Uh-oh. You. Yes, you. You. Savannah's getting called up. The reason why is while Alice was giving that praise report, all I could see was 
Savannah looking uncomfortable over there. So <laughs> I, I <had> a <laughs> Okay. Um, I just want to praise God for what's going on in our church right now. Um, I see a lot of new faces. I'm getting to know people. And I feel like our church is really growing and coming along in the right direction. And I just want to praise God for that because I see healing. I see people's lives changing. And it's beautiful. And I just want to thank God for that. Hallelujah. All right. There's my little bit. It's so funny. I, I, last thing I'm going to say before we jump off into the sermon. It's funny how, like, giving, like, the, the time right before it ties, when we're, we're giving you the updates of the church, it should be so exciting, right? I don't know why it's so awkward. It's just, like, it's a really awkward thing. And I feel like the reason why I want to say this is because it's so funny because when we talk about something like we're going to talk about today, I think it could just become so awkward and rigid. Like, talking about the Word of God should be something that's so exciting, but sometimes we can become rigid with it, and it locks us down, and it feels awkward because we don't want to step on toes, or we don't want to be weird, so that it makes us act weird, and guess what? I'm weird anyway, so we're just going to keep going. So if you guys can open up to 2 Timothy 3.14 through 16, if you don't know how to use your Bible, um, guess what? It's on the screen. Otherwise, we would love to walk with you and show you guys how and where books in the Bible are, because we do believe the Word is super valuable here. All right, you guys ready? So in 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 16, it says, But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All the scriptures is all scriptures is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. When we start a sermon series like we're about to talk about I mean, a sermon today, like we're talking about, not all of us, in fact, I would say a lot of us actually did not grow up in the church. Some of us are new, some of us are just coming back, you know. Some of us have been raised the whole time. Oh, I don't know what's happening. I hear my own voice coming back at me. <laughs> but uh, as, as we, we all have this place that we have to see and look through a lens of the scripture that is not, that's not um, limiting, but that is a filter to look out so we can experience something better. So as we really look at this scripture today, we have to see that it's actually telling Timothy, just as it's telling us to hold on, to continue in, to stay in, to remain in the truth he had learned and that he is receiving. And in that same way, can you go to the next slide? We have to... We have to see that it, it really breaks down into a few lessons, right? The first lesson is to continue with the lessons you have learned of God. When we look even today as we're talking about the sermon series we've been through, it's, it started with loved past our limits. 
an intentionally intimate God. Um, forgiveness, grace, and mercy. Uh, every example, life, death, resurrection. Carried, covered, completed. And then today is illuminated by his word and his uh, revelation. We look at that and we see that it's a continued line of this place of the gospel. And in that same way, there's so many lessons that each of us have learned on our walks, on reading the word, you know, and, and really just really being impacted that got you here. It's not like today is the first day of anything in your whole life. Right now, you're sitting here, and a faithful God has experienced you, poured out to you, met you, and that God has taught you lessons on how to interact with him. And the beautiful part is, is that the first step of us walking out more truth is to walk out the truth that we already know. The second lesson is to remember those who've taught you. I got to say, from my background, and some of the people's background up in here, humbleness is a hard thing, right? And it's hard for us to say that we learned something from somebody else at the end of the day, that I couldn't have learned that on my own. And I think one of the big things for us to take away at really growing and becoming something different and really actually taking that step where we don't have to be everything, to break an identity that we've had previously, the second lesson is actually to look at those who taught us and be able to look at them and be like, man, that's the character. That's trustworthy. Or, I mean, sometimes it's to check it and be like, you know, that person isn't trustworthy. So I shouldn't have learned that lesson. But it's to look at the character so that actually it can sow into us more than just us consuming something. The third is the scripture is holy. What do I mean by that? The scripture is set apart. It's something different than this world. The filter of it is, is a totally different standard. In fact, I would say most of the things when we look at it, like our world says are dumb sometimes or it doesn't make sense. And it confounds us. It confuses us. But it's because it's not of this world, but it's from God. And it's a place that actually is redefining our boundaries rather than falling into them. The fourth is the wisdom of God's word has the power to lead us to receive being saved. So the wisdom of God through the word has the power to lead us to receive being saved. So I want to make this super clear, though. Is this saying the scripture by itself can save you? No. The reason why, and I, I know this is going to step on toes, but what it's saying is it has the very power to lead you to salvation because Jesus is salvation. And later on, I'm going to hit on why this is an important point. Because the word leads us to trust Christ. It leads us to put our life on dependency of Christ. And then the fifth thing, God's word saves by leading to trust in Jesus. So those two together say that the wisdom of God says that Jesus is trustworthy. 
that God is trustworthy, that his ways are trustworthy, that he himself is trustworthy, and that we should trust him and put faith in him to save us. But the laws of the book don't save us. It's actually, it says that it's, it's death to us. But one of the things that, even like verse, the verse 16, then goes on to say, the Bible is God-breathed. Every word that's in the Bible was God pouring out his Holy Spirit to bring up ideals, bring up revelation, impact people, walk them into the wisdom that would get them to experience God, get them to exemplify God. Even when we look through our last bunch of examples, the same God who is fathering us through his example, the same God who poured out forgiveness, grace, and mercy, the same God who loved past limits, right? This God who was intentional, this God is the same God in the word. See, he doesn't change yesterday, today, or tomorrow. So the God who we're reading about experiencing who is faithful to be experienced and speak out and guide and strengthen is in that word. So we know that in the testimony of what's being impacted that the very Holy Spirit is housed in those words to guide us further into his presence. See, it's been given as a foundation, even in that, the foundation for us not to be swung back to and fro. That it's an ultimate truth to guide us back home. But it's also written not by perfect people, but it's actually written by imperfect people who got to walk out the same lessons as us, being fathered by a great God who is willing to make the ultimate sacrifice. See, it's not, I think sometimes we, we delegitimize ourselves by the judgment of where the people ended and forget where they started. But every single one of us are represented in the story of the people of the scripture. We've all been lost. We've all been found. We've all failed. We've also been successful. We've all questioned where God is. And man, that's just David in the Psalms, you know? We're not even talking about Paul, right? When we look, the scripture in the foundation ultimate truth, it, 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 it's been given for a purpose, as we see at the end of this, is to encourage, to give you strength, to build you up. But it's also not always sunshine. I mean, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I read the scripture, it shows me where I'm kind of funky. You know what I mean? It's like, have you guys ever just wanted like uh, some justice or you wanted somebody to get like back, they should know, you know, <laughs> they should know who they're offending. And then you read the scripture that it says, blessed are you who are long suffering and people who speak against your name falsely. Woo. All of a sudden you're rebuked. <laughs> the scripture is quick to rebuke, but it's also there to teach us. Teach us the ways of God. See, if we're really given an example of God, then the scriptures of people who've lived out that life that has walked to look like him also will point to that life and teach us how to walk into walking differently. 
will teach us how to submit in a world that doesn't know how to submit. And ultimately will guide us in the same way and goal, which is to unify us with Christ Jesus and to ultimately die to ourselves so that we can live for him. Can I get an amen for that? All right. And I just, I want you to know that God spoke to those people. There is no, in my opinion, there is no falsehood in the scriptures. It is alive and speaking to us as well. You read those scriptures, it is alive today, and with the Holy Spirit, it will speak to you. So if you're not reading your scriptures, read them. I'm just joking. I'm just playing with you. <laughs> but I want to, next slide for me. But this is all a place that if we don't actually see that Christ is not dead, then we're just, we're, we're reading history. See, it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, and if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. Why is this important? It's because the truth is, is you have an alive God with you. You have a God who, who is raised from the dead, who is currently present, and just as he spoke to those people, he also speaks to you. He's also for you. He's also with you. And just like them who walked and stumbled and failed but continually were brought back to experience, to an example, we are also. Go to the next slide for me. The living Christ leads us to live that new life. It says in Romans 6, 4, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So remember I just said, we have a God who loves us past our limits. He's intentional. He sees you. He's for you. And because he's a father who's adopted you, he's fathering you into the example that he has set to be with him, to be unified, to be in relationship. And he's forgiving in grace. He, he's, forgive, he's forgiving and he pours out grace and mercy on us, right? But in this, this place where we have the word which is perfect, and it, it brings us back to that example. It guides us in that strength. He also has given himself in this place as a sacrifice, as we talked about early on, but also as a resurrection to be in our relationship to, to actually guide us, to strengthen us, and actually give us the power not to just be the same, not to be stuck in the same life, not to be saying that just because I've experienced it for 30 years, not just because I've experienced it for how many ever years old you are means that it's going to be the same tomorrow. Today is salvation. Today is the day to change. You aren't stuck reliving the same life over and over again. The testimony of the Bible and the testimony of God's words, because Christ is alive, is, is that we can be saved today and changed today. That our possibilities of being with him in every way, free in every way, they're present right now. And they're hopeful. Because... 
See, this is why I got that remote. It doesn't work. See, she's awesome. Everybody give it up for Sandy. She's always back there doing it. She probably don't like it when I do that, but... Oh, it's too far. That's what it's saying. Wait a second. Did it, did it actually... Oh, I don't think this thing works, but anyways, the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Here, Oh, yeah, there it is. The Holy Spirit was given to us. So as I talked about, Jesus is alive and able to make us new. So freedom is today. Jesus made a promise alongside the word because he made a promise that we would no longer be alone. He made a promise that you would never be alone. That he was sending a companion, an advocate for you. One that you may forget, but he will not. That he would bring back into remembrance all that was being poured out to you. One that was going to teach you and guide you. And guess what? Our favorite word, rebuke you. Because the truth is, is I don't know about you, but I act a fool sometimes. And it's for the best because the most loving thing he could tell you is quit throwing a fit. Recognize you're loved. You don't got to prove nothing no more. And what he does is he wraps his arms around you. And as he's sending the Holy Spirit in this relationship, in this example, it's one to walk beside us even when we lose sight ourselves. When we're lost in the forest, in the dark, we just, it's something sent to say, look back to where the fire is. Look back to where you can be met. Look back to where the warmth is. Don't get lost out in the dark and the cold. Remember, I've shown you a way home. Remember, there is an example. Remember, there is love. But see, his words illuminate our path by this ideal that God is is his example. Like, your, God, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It's, we, we want to quickly talk about, like, this illumination idea, that it's not just something simple, like, this verse, I don't know how many of you guys have read Psalms 119 before, but Psalms 119 is like a great chapter spend the time to study it, eat it up, but it's really easy to make it super, super cheesy because what ends up happening is in our mind, we read it without it really impacting us. How many of you guys have ever been just lost in a dark room where you can't even see your hand? Yeah. Think about this just for a moment, that as God comes in, that he's like the light of your cell phone that actually can illuminate everything to show you the way out when you've given up. That in this place that you can't see through, that actually his words show you the very direction that you never could make yourself. That it actually is, it's, it's the very direction for your feet. Because this is during a time, did they have electricity? No. Nope. Did they have a ton of light all over the place? Could they control what was dark and what was light? 
Not really. They had fire. That's, that's what they had. And the moon. But when you're talking about safety, you have to go into a cave or go into some place that you actually no longer can control light. Especially if you're talking about it's wet out and you don't got wood or you don't got these things. So it's a really big, powerful point to say that in the middle of darkness, when I can't see my own steps, that your words will guide me and illuminate my way. And I don't know how many of you guys have felt down at times or not know what direction to go or know how to go take the next steps. But the beautiful thing is, is we've been given the word and a presence of Jesus to be with us and a Holy Spirit to guide us to actually say, I, I know what direction to go. I know what steps to take, and it will illuminate the direction. It will illuminate our choices. It will illuminate our path. But also, if you go to the next slide, it has the power. It's, it's very powerful. And it doesn't just have the power to illuminate a path, but it actually illuminates everything about you. It illuminates everything about another individual. Because once the, we actually start submitting ourselves before that light, we actually start participating with it. It's more like the sun than just a little lighter. And there's nothing that can be hidden before that light. It says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. The beautiful part is, is that like, even though we might not like it, it's, it's like those days you try to sleep in and the covers just get ripped off. You know, I don't know. I got kids, so it's <laughs> sleeping in doesn't happen very often. So it's like, in reality, it's like we are met with God's words in, in, in this place. If we have a live God, first, even just starting with the, the basic place of God speaks and his words will be the very sustenance and goodness to meet you. Second place, the word is God's words, just recorded. And they have every bit of life to give us what illuminates our hearts, our actions, our minds. And the truth is, is I don't know about you, but reading the word, there's only so long I can read before there's a part that reveals I don't match it. And... It's a part of all of our walks. It's a gift that's been given to continue you on your path to show you there's more. There's more of God. There's more ways to walk with him. There's more ways to experience him. So, next slide. The Berean rule. How many of you guys know who the Bereans are? Do you guys remember what the Bereans... So, some of you guys didn't raise your hands. So, the Bereans were called noble-minded men who, when Paul came, they, they were called noble because they searched the Scripture to prove that Paul was trustworthy. So in a lot of Western, a Western church, it's taught that we are supposed to search the Scriptures to to prove if something's trustworthy, right? So there is a truth and an untruth here. 
And the reason why I put this very last before we get into what we believe is because the truth here is really defined by two different hearts. Why were the Pharisees rebuked, yet the Bereans were called noble? It was because one was looking to disqualify by how they understood the word. One was looking to limit the revelation based off what they understood, while the other was looking to find either to disprove it because it doesn't meet it, meet the standard, or to trust it. So why, what's the difference? The Bereans were actually looking for a reason like to trust. They were saying, is this trustworthy? Is this able to follow? It's not saying that the scriptures they had said all of the facts. And, but on the other side, it was just saying that like the Pharisees were at a place where they were saying, we understand everything of what this scripture means. So obviously it has to fall into our understanding of what these scriptures says or else it's not true. Why does this even matter? It's because as we read the scriptures, we actually have to set our heart in the same way the Bereans did to be noble, to seek to have the proof that can lead to salvation, which is trusting Jesus. So the words that he gives us, the scriptures he's pouring out, is for one purpose, to trust him, to follow him. So we need to have that same heart that's searching for the evidence to trust Jesus, to trust the words that are guiding us to God. Because if not, we can, it's really easy to fall into a sermon like this and become Pharisees. And none of us want to do that. Because the truth is, is we have an alive Jesus who sacrificed himself to prove otherwise. Okay, uh, Psalms 19 says, the law of the Lord is perfect, flawless, restoring and refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are reliable and trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord's are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and dripping of the honeycomb. Moreover, by your servant is warned, reminded, illuminated, instructed. In keeping them, there is great reward. You can leave that up for a second. So I had this great activity this week. For most people don't know, I used to be really into gardening, and so I have beehives. And this week, I was, uh, I was taking my beehives and, uh, well, Friday, my day off, uh, I was uh, fixing up the beehives. There's lots of prophetic messages. I believe that God speaks constantly, right? That's what this whole message is about, is, is the Bible speaks, God speaks. Well. It's funny because I, I had no plan to speak this out, but I was, um, I was working on the beehive, and there was an individual who asked me what it spoke to me, but I said these other words, but then it came to this part where sometimes we get stuck and we have to work it out. Why does that even matter? What does that mean? Well, so what's interesting, has anybody ever done bees before? Okay, so with bees, there's, there's, I use a Langstroth method which is like this box, right? And the beehives inside the box. 
Then inside the, the box is frames and foundations. The frames and the foundations where they put the comb, right? And on the comb, we either have like honey, nectar, and sugars placed for them to eat, or the brood, the babies that are put in there, right? So, as the bees naturally produce, right, they also produce a very valuable substance called propolis. Propolis, whole purpose is to protect the hive. It seals up things, it becomes hard, it makes it almost impossible to serve that, that hive. But what's funny is, is like, as you're working on the hive, like, you actually have to break up the propolis and, and take it out because if you don't, then it overheats the hive. It actually makes it so you pr produce less. It'll, it'll make it less viable. You get all this gross stuff too. I'm, I'm not gonna get into that. But why that speaks to me, and especially this week, is looking at this honeycomb and the drippings of a honeycomb, right? The propolis will actually cause the honey to be ruined if it's too hot and it becomes too immature. So then you end up with this like ridiculously like sweet nectar stuff that is garbage. Yeah, it's not good. But um, like, so in replacing it, we also have that same thing happen. Is we have defense mechanisms that are meant to protect us, that keep us safe. They keep us okay. And they're totally acceptable by the world. They're totally known by the world. God's not judging it. But sometimes he has to get his hands in there. And he has to speak to us and touch us and meet us so that he ultimately can take our defense mechanisms away so we can operate and receive as much of the goodness as he has for us. So following that up, I end up realizing that the one hive that didn't work for me didn't work because actually it was filled almost 100% with honey. And I was like wondering why my hive just died out of nowhere or they, they left out of nowhere. Because I mean, like, that's unheard of. You know what I mean? It's like they'll, they'll take the honey with them, right? But then I was left with this hive that's just dripping honey and I'm wondering why all the other bees are attacking the hive. In that same way, when we talk about what we believe, we believe that God loves us intentionally and intimately. That he pours out forgiveness, mercy, and grace. That he's a great father who gives an example. He carries, covers, completes us in that example. So, even going back over last week, is, is that he will carry us. It's not our job to just become this example. It's not our job to, to like get everything done, but it's actually uh, his heart to protect us and keep us going forward. It's his heart to carry us through. It's his heart to complete us so that we can overcome. But that also that he gives us a perfect foundation and compass to go forward. And that compass is one that directs us to him. It's not one that's south, north, or east. It's one that continues to move in the direction that he's in. It continues to show us where we can actually find safety, where we can find home, where we can have enough. 
the foundation is his word. The word of, that we find in scripture that will never go against itself. But it's also a living God that he gave us the Holy Spirit. And together they encourage us, rebuke us, teach us, guide us. And in that, it's one that has a goal to bring you further into his presence. To bring you further into a place that meets him, that experiences him, that sees him. And this perfect word that he has refreshes us and is valuable. But today, even as we, we say that, like, there's times where we are looking for something to meet us, to guide us, to, to look for us, and we're just thirsty. Like the woman at the well, thirsty. Thirsty for a break, thirsty for direction, thirsty for hope, thirsty for, for, for strength, thirsty for another try. And the truth is, is that the word of God will direct us to the place that we can drink water. It, it directs us into the place where we actually could receive. See, it, that's where the value is. The value isn't in a bunch of words on a page. The words is it has the very keys that actually can set you free. The words by themselves can just be a textbook, but they're the very hope that actually can bring you into experiencing a real God. That in the power that they have, that actually has the ability to illuminate things you never knew about yourself. Illuminate things you never knew were the boundaries of your world. Illuminate things, I think I started disappearing. Illuminate things that ultimately you didn't know existed. Illuminate directions that you ne never knew were possible. Illuminate hopes that you never knew were going to be capable for you to participate with. See, his word is the Bible, but he's also alive in you and with you, which means his word lives in you. It's no longer written on tablets, but it's written on hearts. And in that place, he will be continuing to pour out to meet us. His goal of being with us will be completed, that he will use the spirit, he will use himself, he will use every faculty he has to overcome us to be with him. And the truth is, is that we just get to be participants who partner with that. It overcomes the way you think, which you have to surrender, you know. It comes over your heart, the places that you hurt, places you're afraid, the places you protect yourself like the bees, right? But ultimately, it shows you that he's safe, that he's trustworthy, that he can save. In the same way that Timothy is called to, he's calling us to hold on to, continue in, stay in, and remain in the truth. Whatever you have to do, grip a hold. Hold on. Because the reward for following him the reward for actually partnering in this place is more of him.
And in that place, you'll have peace. I will say the band will need to come up soon. Um, but like, as, uh, whoa, it's slipping off. As we look at that reward going back to my honey beehive, right? The truth is, is you can't control, you can't control what you receive from a bee. They choose what they're going to do, you know? At the end of the year, you're going to end up with maybe a gallon, five gallons. But for me to have a whole hive of honey, the value of that is actually pretty incredible. Because I wasn't expecting it. I was actually expecting death. I was expecting that there would be nothing in that hive except for something to fix. But in that place, just like when you're walking with God, you might come to the situation looking for something to fix that is dead, but actually what he has in front of you is the reward that he has to pour out, the sustenance and goodness. And ultimately, that's his goal, is not for us to find another thing to fix, but for us to have another place to partner with him. Hallelujah? All right. So, I want you guys to bow your heads for a second with me. We're going to join in prayer, all right? Lord, I love you. <laughs> I thank you that you are a father who guides us and strengthens us and empowers us. I thank you that your word is so powerful. Lord, I thank you that you do take us by the hand and bring us further into relationship with you. Lord, I thank you that you don't just leave me to my own decisions or into my own place, but you continue to pour out your grace and mercy, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we don't just rest on our own understanding, Lord, but we learn to trust you. Lord, I pray that where you are speaking to the different people in this room, I didn't, there's so many more scriptures I could have talked through. There's so many more ideas. This is literally, for me, one of my favorite topics, Lord. And I just pray that we weren't lost, but we actually can realize we're, we're being found by your words, by your place. And I pray that you would show us how to trust, how to, to, to just be touched, Lord, because we're all hungry and we're all asking for something, Lord, but you have the answers. That's why we're here. Lord, I pray that you would show us and guide us to you how to take the steps, how to continue on this path. I pray that we would learn how to be a family more, one that is defined by our Father, defined by our lover, but defined by our friend. I pray that you would illuminate for all of us where we have to go. Illuminate our hearts, but also illuminate those possibilities. For those who haven't heard your voice, Lord, I pray that they would. I pray your presence would be so present during this week. I pray that you would make yourself known because you are alive and with us. And we don't serve a dead God. So, Lord, I pray that we would experience an alive God. I pray this in your name.